0: But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you, who, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that we can come here together to learn about you We ask, Lord, that you would just open your word to us, that you would just take away the distractions that might be in our minds or in our hearts. And we just pray that you would uh, open our hearts and minds so that we may hear your word and learn it and keep it there and that it might not just enter our ears and fall away. We ask the Lord that you would please forgive us of our sins and we pray, Lord, that you'd please heal Pastor Stark and just bless him and we thank you for him. And we ask, Lord, that you would just uh, get me out of the way so that your word may be proclaimed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we have Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 14. So the book of Isaiah, the first part, we have chapters 1 through 35. Those focus on God's judgment on Israel. And Judah by Assyria, and then we have books 36 and 39. Those are more of a bridge, transitioning Isaiah's focus from Assyrian to Babylon. And so, and we're here in verse in chapter 41. In the second part, chapters 40 through 66 focuses on the rem- remnant's returned from Babylon and their ultimate deliverance in the remote future. So Israel has been taken captive, and now they're returning. Babylon and so here Isaiah writes to them he says but you Israel are my servant Jacob whom I have chosen so what did he start off with he reminds them that they are chosen by God the promise is given to God's chosen people it says You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Deuteronomy 7:6 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. We just heard that earlier in our scripture reading. Psalm 135.4 says, For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, for his special treasure. Galatians 3.29 Now, see, this is where we transition a little bit, because here we're talking about Israel and Jacob, but we might you might ask, how does that concern us? Because this is the Jewish people. This is the people that God has chosen that is set apart, right? We're Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Galatians 3.29 says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we get to take part in this promise, because if you are in Christ, this promise applies to you. John 15.16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. So here we have this promise, but it's not to all men. It's not to all that live. It's only to God's chosen people. It's those that God has called out of death and brought into life. It says in verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. We cannot lay claim to that promise if we are still an enemy of God. If you are enemy of God, there is very much reason to fear. Romans nine fourteen through 18 says, God has mercy on whom he will. God is God and we are not. Sorry, I have to turn there really quick. I thought I had it written down, but pardon me. That's Romans 9, 14 through 18. It says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, and I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. That's 14 through 18. So it's God who has the knowledge of our hearts. It's God who draws us. It's God who brings us to know him. It's nothing that we do nothing that we can do of ourselves. It's only Christ working in us. And if fear lays hold of you because you're not in Christ's presence or you're not holding on to Christ, he says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. So the reason we looked at Romans is because it's important to understand that the there is God's chosen people and then there are those that are going to be cast into hell. And that might be hard for some to comprehend or grasp, but that's part of God's word. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the Bible. We have to accept it. It's not for us to decide who is God's chosen people. We are not to say, I think you're gonna be saved and you're not gonna be saved based on their appearance or their our dress. We are to approach all and preach the gospel to all as to all men as sinners. And Isaiah fifty five, eight nine says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts salvation is completely up to god it's not up to man we can't save anybody that's not our job our job is to proclaim the good news our job is to tell that christ came to this earth he died to take away the sins to take away our sins he rose from the dead and he now sits at the right hand of his father and we expect him to return one day in glory that's our job. We're supposed to preach the gospel. Only Christ knows who is going to receive it and what seed is going to fall on good ground, what seed is going to fall on bad ground. And we're going to come back to verse 10, but bear with me here. He goes on in verse 11 and 12 and he shows what happens to the enemies of God. It says, Behold, all those who are incensed against you, shall be ashamed and disgraced. Thou shalt be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. God's enemies. Notice how if you've been adopted into God's family, not only are they God's enemies, but they're your enemies as well. And what does he say? Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 says, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Want to take a quick second? We want to show we need to see what happens to the enemies of God. If you look at Revelations 21 8, Revelations 21 at verse 8. I'm going to go back up to 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see, if God's not working in your life, there is much to fear. And the hope is that fear that comes from reading God's law, from reading God's word, drives you to repentance. Not a fake repentance, as we read in Romans with Pharaoh, how God hardened his heart Pharaoh repented. He wanted to let the people go, and he said, go ahead and take them, but just to get the trials and the plagues off of him. As soon as Moses cried out to God and that affliction stopped, what happened? Pharaoh's heart was hardened again. And he said, no, I'm not going to let the people go. We have to have a, a real repentance like David had when he called out to God. He wanted God to create in him a clean heart. He needed his heart to be changed. He needed that new life. We have to be born again. That was a hard concept for Nicodemus in John chapter 3. How can one be born again? By believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So if you can sit here today and say that you trust Christ as your Savior then you have this promise that you can hold on to. You have, in verse 10, He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Who is with you? God. Who is God? God is the Almighty Creator. He's the one that put all of this in order. Everything you see. What are we? We are mere dust. And yet He promises to be with us. He says, be not dismayed. So what is fear and what is dismay? Fear is defined by Webster as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. There's another fear. There's also the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Profound reverence and awe especially toward God. That's, the def- that's also a definition of fear. So what does fear do to us? Fear keeps us from being who we ought to be in Christ. How often does fear keep us from saying what we need to, or fear of our circumstances, or fear of what somebody else is going to think, keep us from proclaiming God's word or from shriveling up and staying where we are instead of moving forward with what needs to be done. It's crippling. Fear can be something that grabs you. I was reading this passage and it came to it seemed like that's one of the best weapons that the devil has, is fear. If he can keep you afraid and silent, then he's done his job. He says, fear not. If you noticed, it wasn't only once that he said this. In verse 13, he also says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. And then again in verse 14, Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Fear comes up a lot. There's several times throughout the Bible where we have fear. And yet, we're always told, fear not. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Second Timothy 1:7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Psalm 46one through three says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And when I saw him, this is John speaking, as we just went over with Pastor in Revelation chapter 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive for evermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. It was Jesus speaking to John? The other one that came to mind was in Mark four thirty-nine and four. He said, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That was when the storm was overwhelming them. And what happened? They became afraid. They had Christ there with them, and yet they still had fear come upon them. That happens to us all the time. We know God's word. We have it in our hearts and our minds. We meditate upon it, yet somehow fear still overtakes us. Reminds me of a song that, so bear with, I know it's a song, but I enjoy their music because Casting Crowns always seems to have convicting themes in their songs. And one of them talks about how, here I go again. How can I be so afraid of that fear is tearing at my words and can't talk to my brother about Christ? I can't talk to my friend, and tell him who Jesus is because I'd rather talk about the wind and rain and the things of this life that don't really matter. Because fear has come and stolen the words that should be easy to come out of my mouth. That I should be able to just go on and on days and days about. Yet what happens? Keep silent. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what that person may think. I'm afraid it might ruin a relationship with a family member. That shouldn't be. We shouldn't fear. He says He will strengthen us. We're told three things in verse 10. told you we were going to kind of focus on verse 10. We read... So He says, first off He says, for I am with you. Then He says, be not dismayed. And then he gives three things that he's going to do. Before I get to the three things. Dismay is to cause or to lose courage or resolution. And as a, as be from an alarm or fear. It's a sudden loss of courage. But he says, be not dismayed for I, I am your God. Isaiah 42, 6 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. He says. When he says, I am with you. Psalm twenty three four says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm twenty-seven one says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who we have on our screen? Hebrews. 13.6, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I know we're doing a lot of scripture, but it needs... Jude 24, now to him, chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. Uh, Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So who keeps us from stumbling? God. Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. We you know, kind of joke about it in Sunday school. When you ask a question, what's the answer? It's Jesus. He is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. None can come to the Father except through him. There are many so called religions and things in this world There is only one means of salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. So he says he'll strengthen us. We looked at those verses. He says also that I will help you. Romans chapter 8, sorry, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 8. Turn there. It's cheating. So Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the best help you can ever receive right there. While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. He brought us out of death into life. We had no hope until Christ intervened. He takes us from that fear of strong emotion caused by an intention of danger... He takes us from that fear of that is God. I deserve to die and be cast into hell. And then he gives us the fear of reverence and awe towards him. He replaces it. No longer do you have to have that fear of hell and damnation if Christ has brought you into life. Because now you can trust Christ and you can see his glory displayed all around. You can learn from His Word and it will fill you and you can look forward to being seated with Him in heaven. You no longer have to be afraid. Matthew 28.20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. then the third thing he says is, I will uphold you. Psalm 145, verse 14. There's a lot of psalms here that I'm picking from. I don't know about any of you, but if I get fearful or afraid of the circumstances around me. Psalms is the first book that I turn to because there's always comfort and there's always peace and relief in the Psalms. The Bible the whole Bible is great. It's just that's just always been my go-to. Sometimes can't sleep at night, turn to the Psalms and find rest. So Psalm 145 uh, at verse 14 says, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. And Psalm 63, 8. My soul fall. <clears throat> excuse me. My soul falls close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. How does he uphold us? With my righteous right hand. Not our righteousness. We know our righteousness is is nothing. Our righteousness is filthy rags, right? But he upholds us by his righteousness. just see after that what happens to God's enemies it says those who are against you shall be as nothing that's in verse 12 at the end it says as a non-existent thing a non-existent thing what are God's enemies? nothing nothing We have right now a lot of turmoil and and confusion and chaos going around in our world and we see all these plots of the wicked and at times it feels like they're going to triumph and they're going to have victory, but it's nothing compared to God. There's no reason to fear or be afraid of any of the circumstances that may befall us. Christianity, day by day, is being painted as the, the enemy as we continue to see in our nation, it's under attack all the time. God has the final victory. So whatever this world may bring us, whether death or disease or loss of our job, economic uncertainty, we don't have to fear it. We don't have to worry about it. As we talked about last week, we can have peace and joy. We don't have to be anxious about it because God is our strength. He upholds us by His right hand. How comforting is that to know that your Heavenly Father holds you by His right hand? It's sweet. You know, as little kids, most of you know I have a bunch of little kids in my house right now, but when, when they become afraid... What do they want? They, wanna, they run to you and hold out their hands. They want to be held. They want you to comfort them. Even if it's an unrational fear of the dark or a loud noise, it scared them and they want to be comforted. That needs to be us. We need to be the little kids running to our Father in Heaven. We need to cry out, Abba, Father. He says we are His children. He adopted us. Right? So if we're His adopted children, then we need to run to Him. We read Psalm 46, God is our refuge. He is our strength. Run to Him and He will hold your hand. He will lead you out of that circumstance. He will or through it. said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are in the valley of the shadow of death. says, but He will walk you through it. He's going to lead you through it. then I enjoy verse 14. It says, fear not again. He tells us because we need to be reminded over and over again not to fear. We see it when the angels appeared. When they came and they told the shepherds, fear, do not be afraid. We saw Jesus telling John not to be afraid. We have to be constantly reminded. And then he says what? He says, fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. He puts us in our place. We have to know That we are not little gods. We are not little things that need to be worshipped. We get so puffed up and full of ourselves. And then we wonder, well, everything didn't go exactly as I planned. Now do I do. We want that control. We have to be the ones in control of our own destiny. We hear it all the time. Follow your heart. Do what you want. That's what really matters. No. You are a worm. But by God's grace, He loves you. He cares for you. Worm you may be. (laughs) Reminds me of... There was a a play that never came to fruition. It was just a little skit that we did with Kathy and Eric. And we were young, my sister and I. and, And my sister ended up getting sick or something. So it didn't happen, but... The whole premise of it was like, I'm a speck, I'm a dot, I'm a worm. And this guy was just depressed as all gets out because that's all he knew. Didn't have any other joy. That's where I'm at. That's who I am. And then he heard the gospel. Then he heard the good news. And his whole attitude changed. He was going around then saying, I'm a speck, I'm a dot, I'm a worm. Yes, praise God, because you know what? I am insignificant, but that's not what's important. What's important is proclaiming God's good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's important. We're here to reflect Christ. That's our duty. That's our job. We're not here to serve ourselves. We're not here to cower in fear and be stuck in the mud, not going anywhere. We're here to proclaim the gospel. If we let fear keep us from moving, then the devil has won. You're giving him the victory. Because what good is a soldier that's terrified to move yes you may be saved yes you may have all the armor on but if you are stationary and not in the fight are you really helping are you advancing God's kingdom don't let fear cripple you don't let fear take hold of you and keep you from doing your duty and proclaiming God's good news Fear not, for I am with you. Let that take hold of you. Let that carry you through your day, through your week, through the rest of your lives. This is not the only place in Scripture we're told not to fear. We looked at anxiety and worry last week. These are all things that try to beset us and things that try to keep us from doing what we're intended to do. Go to God. Run to Him as your Father. He's holding. His, he will hold your hand. He will guide you. Trust Him. It's hard because we want to be in control. Trust Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You for Your Word, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would help us. You have to tell us over and over again not to be afraid, Lord. Yet so many times we are. So many times our circumstances seem to just be too much for us. We seem to be sinking. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see that you have never forsaken us. You'll never let us go. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us out of death and bringing us into life. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for making us your children, Lord. Help us to remember your promises to us. Pray that you would please forgive us of our sins and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.